So you are the defending world champion. How nervous are you about the upcoming competition in New Delhi? Probably more nervous than I ought to be. Really. <laughs> um, this is the first time I'll be going into an international competition with a record to defend. Um, though I did well at the previous games, at the games before those, I, I started off placing dead last. So it's, um, it's been a bit of a climb. That's quite the climb. Now, for those people who aren't familiar with this sport, d- describe it for us. Well, despite its name, tent pegging has nothing to do with tents and very little to do with pegs. It's uh, an equestrian sport of quite ancient origin. It's been practiced for about 2,500 years, and it began life as a training exercise for cavalry soldiers. In essence, it involves a rider, a strider horse, um, riding at a full-out gallop on an outdoor course, using a sword, a saber, a lance, and sometimes a revolver to shoot, skewer, strike, smite, or otherwise destroy a series of targets, and trying to do it all while not killing himself, his horse, or any innocent bystanders. I like the word smite. I don't get to use it that often. (laughs) I I try to use it regularly myself. (laughs) How did you get interested in this kind of sport? Um, It's a fairly odd journey for, I guess, a fairly odd sport. Um, I, I was never one of nature's athletes myself, and so I suppose it's, it's only fitting that if I, if I do have something of a talent for a sport, it should be one as odd as this. Like most tent peggers, I took up this sport through um, experience with the cavalry regiment. I used to ride with the Canadian Forces uh, Mounted Cavalry. There are two, two mounted units left in Canada, and to this day, mounted regiments still use tent pegging as an exercise to train their riders. And uh, though I I don't have a horse background or didn't have a horse background before that, there's a small boy in every man. And really, if you you see a man on a horse, hand him a sword and set him off at a gallop, he's pretty much going to be hooked for life. (laughs) Now, I understand, though, um, even though you say there's this great appeal to it, there are actually very few tent peggers in Canada. Well, if if our numbers are smaller, I suppose our share of glory is all the greater. Uh, there are only, there really are only three units left in Canada, three mounted units, two in the armed forces. Lord Strathcona's horse, which is based in Edmonton, uh, the Governor General's horse guards, which are based in Toronto, with whom I used to ride, and of course the RCMP Musical Ride, which is based in Ottawa. All told, I would say that there are probably fewer than two dozen um, high-performance tent peggers in Canada. Mm-hmm. And there's really no competitive history to speak of, is there, of tent pegging? I mean, not in the sense of these kinds of international competitions. Uh, certainly not in Canada, no. Um, when I first, in order to qualify for the first World Championships, I had to travel to the United States and compete in a competition organized by the U.S. Cavalry Association. Um, the countries that tend to dominate tent pegging are countries that have long-established cavalry cultures, uh, Britain, South Africa, Australia, India. Um, Canada is in many ways to tent pegging as Jamaica is to bobsledding. <laughs> So, um, if that's the case, and uh, there are other countries that have been doing this for a very long time, and I, uh, I understand they make, uh, I guess, a commitment to the sport. Uh, what do you know of that kind of commitment, as far as you know, resources and money? Well, it, it will probably come as no surprise that most Canadian athletes tend to be <laughs> under-resourced compared to our international colleagues. But I, I suppose it's especially the case with tent pegging, given its association with the military. Um, Many countries that take the sport seriously, including the ones I mentioned, tend to have it embedded in their armed forces. And many other countries um, have tent pegging under under royal patronage. um, uh, Probably the team that invests the most heavily in their their national team 
are the Omanis. Uh, their sultan um, has a professional team that travels the world in their own jets, um, including horses and riders. They are full-time professional athletes. They are trained by some of the best coaches on the planet. And um, they are promised a bounty at the international championships, equivalent to about a quarter of a million dollars per person for every gold they're able to bring home. And uh, unfortunately, the last games, I deprived them of any, which I felt rather bad about. This is beginning to sound like a Hollywood story, meaning unbelievable. (laughs) You went from dead last, and then you took the three gold and bronze. Uh, I have to wonder, is it some kind of remarkable training or just some innate gift that you have for this sport? Well, I have a a good friend in show jumping who always says to me, it's good to be talented, but it's far better to be lucky. And to be perfectly honest, the riders against whom I I competed last time and and will compete in a week's time really are some of the best riders in the world. And there isn't a moment's doubt in my mind that if the competitions were held 100 times over 100 days, that victory probably would have gone to someone else. It's just that at those championships on those days, those turned out to be my days. There's an element of chance in in every high-performance competition. I suppose fortune smiled on me um, at the last championships. I just have to hope that fortune hasn't tired of me at these championships. You're sounding very humble, Akash. I don't know. I mean, I know you've been training in this for, I guess, about eight years. I have to wonder what kind of training has that been? I mean, considering there are so few people who do it here and no real competition to speak of, how, how did you train for this? Very haltingly, I have to admit, uh, my initial training was with was with the military, and um, my first tent pegging tutor was Sergeant Major Ralph Brothers, who um, has has trained generations of cavalry riders in Canada. Indeed, there there isn't a corner of Canada that I go to, and if I ever meet people with a, a cavalry background who don't mention his name and are, are slightly awed that even though he's now reached an age where he can no longer sit astride a horse, he still trains cavalry riders to this day. Um, after that, however, um, it really was a case of trying to make this up as we went along. There are no training manuals in Canada, and um, the only manuals that I could find describing precise techniques and offering advice about tent pegging were written in the, s- in the 17th century. Um, what, you know, what language were they written in? <laughs> they were written in something that passed for English, but certainly it was, it was an ornate <laughs> style of English. And the only copy I could find in Canada was at the rare book library at the University of Toronto, who kindly allowed me to... Um, well, they didn't allow me to photocopy it. They allowed an- another person to make copies of it. And um, it, it's full of terms that I, I can't possibly fathom, I suppose, words that... Um, like uh, To this day, if someone knows what a flugelman is, I'd be grateful of them to tell me. But a flugelman? A flugelman. <laughs> But um, using using these old manuals, um, my primary coach has actually been my fiancée, Sarah, whom I, I met through the, the horse guards and through riding. Uh, she's not a tent pegger herself, but she is a very accomplished rider. And between the two of us, with much, um, with much head scratching and access to these old tomes, we try to figure out how exactly one trains for this sport. And um, <laughs> we did our best. This you're 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 you know conjuring up this picture. I could see the uh, the two of you. It's almost like you were muddling your way through and saying, "Well, does my foot go here? And what about this sword? How do I hold that?" It, it wasn't almost like we were muddling our way. Through. <laughs> we were most definitely muddling our way through it. And I, I suppose there is there is, can be an advantage to um, starting from first principles, and that is that in a very in an ancient sport like this one, history is 
both its greatest asset and, and in some ways its greatest liability. Um, coming from Canada and not knowing what I was doing, we were unburdened by history, though I suppose one could say we were ungraced by experience or knowledge as well. Did you feel like a fraud at all at the competitions? Well, the first time, the first time that uh, on the first round of the first competition I ever went to, as I said, I came dead last. The Wayne Gretzky of tent pegging is a man called the Prince of Utter. He's a, in his late sixties now. He he no longer rides, but he turns up to the competitions around the world, and he casts a long shadow over everyone who competes in this sport today. And uh, he sauntered over to me, and I could see the crowd departing as he approached me and regarded me with those watery eyes of his. And after a moment, he looked at me and said, well, so have you ever actually done this before? <laughs> <laughs> and he ate his words net the following year. The following year. <laughs> but um, I, I have to say, I did not go back to my quarters a happy person after that run. Mm. I have to ask you, how upset were the other countries, the other competitors last year when you, this Canadian upstart, sweeps the competition? I think one of the real charms and attraction to the sport is that perhaps because of its connection to the military and because of its, its history of sh and its association with, with chivalry, people really are very gallant in competition. What for me was the most moving part of the, of the last championships was that in the middle of one of my runs, um, my, the girth strap, the, the strap that holds the saddle to my horse, um, snapped. And that left me in a bad situation. In effect, I, I had no saddle. I I would not have been able to continue, and the competition could have been over for me at that point because I, I had not taken extra equipment with me. Um, but every other team on that field, when they saw that this had happened, came forward, and every single one of them offered me offered to lend me their equipment. Um, ultimately, the, the strap that I bought came from the Omani team, which they loaned to me in the full knowledge that if I was successful in the next run, I would beat them, that I would deprive them of a quarter of a million dollars per person in bounty, but none of them hesitated, and not only did I find that very moving, I was also astonished by the fact that no one on that field of competition found that gesture in any way, shape, or form surprising. There was a sense that um, this was the expected thing, that while we were all there hoping for glory, we all recognized that our first duty was to conduct ourselves in a way that brought credit to our country. Mm, I have a feeling we, we probably wouldn't see that kind of act at, uh, at the Olympics. We do from time to time, but it, I think it's fair to say it's not as common as one would hope it would be. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you have also partnered uh, with UNICEF, uh, the charitable organization. Why uh, was it important for you to do that? Well, most tent pegging teams are sponsored by corporations or if they're not under royal patronage. Um, pharmaceutical companies, luxury goods companies, um, banks tend to be significant investors. For the very first championships I went to, they were held in the Arabian were held in the Arabian Peninsula. It's an area of the world that has had historic and indeed persistent problems with the use of child labour in mounted sports. Small children as young as four are, have been kidnapped and used as jockeys in the in the camel racing industry. And it occurred to me that while I was at these championships, especially given that I wasn't expecting to do particularly well. I had an opportunity to do something a little more worthy than shill for a sports good, a sports goods or a luxury goods manufacturer. Then I had a chance to um, draw the attention of the people in that region, draw their attention to um, to one of the great crimes, I think, in, in mounted sports internationally. So I, I donated my team's naming rights to UNICEF, 
when I ride in competition, I ride both for Canada and for the United Nations Children's Fund and attempt to further their, their work um, both in, in um, ending child labor and in eradicating maternal and childhood HIV and AIDS. And I, I think it is significant that, of course, not because of my, my efforts at all, but it is significant that UNICEF independently has recently signed a treaty with the United Arab Emirates banning and ending the practice of, um, of child labor in, camel, in mounted sports. And most of those children have now been repatriated to their families around the world. Mm. Well, here you are. You are the only Canadian to qualify for these international championships. You are the world champion. You're, you know, you're, it's lonely at the top, I, I guess. <laughs> and, and, and you're in your, your late 30s, yes. right? And so when you look ahead, Who's coming up behind you? I mean, how do you attract a, a younger group of people and get them interested in this sport? Well, I'm hoping that um, Tent Peng will be at the World Equestrian Games, which are going to be held this autumn in Kentucky. And when I return from the world, these World Championships um, at the beginning of April, um, I'm going to be putting out a call to anyone who is as foolish as me to become involved in this sport in the, in the hopes that I'll be able to draw, join a younger group of riders um, who will be able to take the, for the sport forward. I, I suppose Canada now has a record to live up to internationally, and I recognize responsibility as an athlete, not just to do my best when I compete, but also to, to at least make an effort to help perpetuate our record as a country in the sport. And in addition, I, this is a, a sport for all of its quirkiness, or perhaps because of its quirkiness and, and its strangeness. It's one that has given me a great deal of joy. And I, I would very much like to share that joy with other riders. Can women tent peg? Uh, absolutely. Like, um, Not that I'm asking for myself, <laughs> but just... If you're interested, drop me a note. <laughs> uh, like most, in fact, I think like all the question sports, men and women compete with and against one another on terms of, of absolute equality. There are undoubtedly more men involved in tent pegging than women, probably because it, it is a, a sport with a, a military history. But I believe this year Britain's, Britain's team will be captained by a female officer, and there are usually at least a few uh, women riders at the World Championships. Well, it's very inspiring, and uh, I certainly wish you all the best at uh, the championships next week. Good luck. 